Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 73. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and much more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, how are things? Things are wonderful, Laura. Thank you for asking. I mean, it's you know still summertime in Texas, down here in <laughs> South Texas especially. It's very hot, but I got to tell you, it's just been wonderful these last couple of days. Matter of fact, I asked my assistant the other day when I left the house if I needed to bring him a jacket because it was only 92 degrees and I thought we wanted to bundle up a little bit and get ready for that (laughs) cold front. You know, 92s. Yeah. Yeah. When that cold front, when that cold front comes through here in Texas, we all get our sweaters out. It dropped below a hundred. Yeah, exactly. We went from 102 to 92. So I'm thinking, man, I got to bundle up for that one. But no, everything (laughs) is just... Everything is just absolutely good. Horses are great. Weather's been wonderful, and we're still making progress on the on the ranch down here, Laura. So I just I can't think of how life could get much better, really, unless of course some helicopter just flew over and just dropped a whole bucket of fifties, you know, fifty dollar bills on us or something. That's kind of cool. But knowing me, I'd give it away. That's what wife always says. You know, you'd you'd be the poorest rich man in the whole world. You'd give it all away. But, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> well, good. We'll we'll watch for that helicopter. You let me know if it drops by. Exactly. Maybe I'll come down. Yeah, and see kind if of, I can get I'd be kind of I'd like share. to see it anyway. I don't know if I'd benefit much from it, but it'd be fun to see, right? Absolutely. Well, Laura, what we're going to talk about today is um, it's kind of weird. It's ironic, isn't it? That we're my my topic for today is positivity, and that intro kind of sounded somewhat positive, didn't it? <laughs> what I'm going to visit with folks today about Laura, and you're going to have to help me with this one, but is that being positive. And to me, Laura, I think that is so much of a choice. So our, our whole topic today is going to be thinking positive and choosing to think positive. So many times I hear people say to me, you know, they'll, they'll talk about stuff and they'll talk about how hot it is, or they'll talk about how cold it is, or they'll talk about, oh, well, they're, they're mares in heat this week. And you know how that it goes. And so they, they bring up all this stuff. And sadly, I think because of the things that we watch, the things that we read, Too many times we're surrounded by all that negativity, and that begins to influence us. So I think if we're going to be surrounded by news and newspapers and radio programs or whatever the case may be that are negative, we've got to make a positive, conscientious effort to put in a lot of positive stuff. It's a choice. We've got to do that. Plus, I also believe, and I do believe this from my heart of hearts, is that being positive is a practice. It doesn't come easy. To some people, I think it does. Some people, I think it's more natural than others. It's like talent, I guess, in some cases might be more natural for someone than it is for someone else. But for those of us who, who may not be natural, then we have to work at it. But let's face it. If you have a choice of riding from, say, California to the East Coast somewhere, let's say North Carolina is a good friend of mine lives out there. And you're going to make that trip. Would you sit in that car with a guy that's going to piss and moan the whole way? Or are you going to sit in that guy with that guy that likes to talk about the good stuff? Oh, look at that pretty flower. Isn't that a great looking cactus? And look at that landscape. In other words, the positive things or that negative guy that's constantly saying, pull my finger and smell this fart. I mean, the, re- <laughs> the, re- <laughs> the reality is that we want to be around positive people. So if that's the case, 
Be the positive one. Make that choice. You make the choice to be the positive guy. And it, and it is a choice. So that's that's what we're going to talk about today more than anything. What are your thoughts, Laura? Well, I mean, I think it's such an important topic. And maybe we should pause at this moment and speak to the listener who's thinking, well, wait, wait a minute. I thought this was a horsemanship podcast and we were going to talk about bits and flying lead changes and how I can, you know, win a national championship buckle for my on my horse. But this is so relevant to achieving anything you want to do with your horsemanship. I totally agree. For example, we <laughs> we had a horse the other day uh, that the lady was riding it around and she was ready to canter. And I said, all right, whenever you're ready, just go ahead and put your right leg in and ask her to canter. And she did, but apparently her right leg was on a little bit too hard, too tight or whatever the case may be. So the horse picked up the proper lead, but she also kind of semi kicked out and kind of bucked a little bit. And of course, I just ignored the buck and I'm like, good job. Look at you. You're loping. It's great. Let's go do a good job. And you're on the correct lead. It's amazing. And she gave me the yeah, but thing. Mm. Yeah, but she kicked out. And I was like, yeah, but she's on the correct lead. Well, I wish she wouldn't have kicked up. I said, but at least you didn't fall off. In other words, every <laughs> negative thing that she said, I came right back. And because and I was trying to do is get her to focus on the good thing that happened. And you've heard me say this before is that I don't want a horse to buck. Like in this case, I don't want a horse to buck. Or when I saddle a horse for the very first time, I do everything in my power to get the horse prepared for the saddle. In other words, I go through these little bitty minute steps, everything from just rubbing it with my hands to rubbing it with a brush, rubbing it with a little rag and rubbing it with a blanket. And then I just keep building my way up until eventually I get to that big old heavy saddle. But before I sense the saddle, I go from a lead rope around its belly or actually my hand around its belly and then a lead rope around its belly. And then eventually I'll work my way up to the cinch around the horse's belly. Now we've broken this big giant elephant down a little bitty bite-sized pieces. And then when I'm asking the horse to move away for the first time, I know because I've seen it happen. Sometimes horses buck when they get saddled for the very first time. So when this horse moves away for the first time with a saddle, I'm hoping like heck that he doesn't buck. And I work very hard to get the horse prepared for it. But what happens when he does? Who cares? I look at it like this, is that he's working too hard. He just doesn't know it. Mm -hmm. So he's learning, you see. He's learning that, wow, bucking is way too much effort. I'm not going to go, oh my God, he's bucking and freaked out. And, and now the horse is scared and he's worried. And, and oh my goodness, do you see how hard he's bucking? Good thing I'm not up there. So in other words, all those negative things come out. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, yes, you're right. Good thing you're not up there. Another thing is, is that now you know what the horse, what triggers it and what it doesn't. And at the same time, the horse is also learning from that. What's he going to gain from bucking? Nothing. Bucking didn't get rid of the saddle. It didn't make the situation go away. So the horse will learn now that bucking is an unnecessary effort. So look at the positive side of that. When the horse kicked out, I asked her, I said, well, he just worked too hard. No worries. And she looked at me kind of funny and said, what? And I said, well, it's harder for the horse to lope and buck than it is for the horse just to lope. So mm -hmm. look at the positive side of it that the horse just learned that bucking or kicking out at your spur or whatever the case may be didn't get it anything because aren't you still loping? And she said, yes. I said, good. And everything survived. Everything worked out. And the horse just learned that that was just a useless effort. So every situation you can think of with your, with our horses, I promise you that if we think about it and we practice the process, we'll find something positive in that experience if we choose to. Yeah. And it really is a choice. I, th that is a, a lesson that I, I think I've learned in the last few years that I wish I had learned 
when I was younger that I literally can choose what to think about. Yes. And, and why that's important in life in general and in horsemanship in particular is because what we think about creates the feelings that we have and we act on our feelings. We all, you know, that's what drives our actions and the results we get come from our actions. So it all starts with those thoughts. And if we, and the only piece of it we can manage, because you've talked about this before, the anytime we're working with horses or you know, anything for that matter. There are lots of things that can happen that we don't control. But but in this case, we can control our thoughts and we can choose to think of things in a positive light. And that's going to color everything that comes after it. You know, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you and I've talked about this before, and I know we've talked about it on our podcast, is that as control freakish as we can be sometimes, we've got to face the reality is that we don't control much more than our thoughts. In fact, some will argue we control nothing but our thoughts. But we also have to realize that our thoughts control our actions. And I've seen that so many times with our horses and our horsemanship. I, For example, and, and I'm going to go back to an old thing. We've talked about this before, and, and I practice it probably at about every fourth or fifth clinic that we do at least. But what I'll do, Laura, is that is to kind of prove my point about people's thoughts is that I'll have everybody in the, in the arena all spread out and they're all doing a little exercise. Let's say the exercise is moving forward, moving forward to the left, moving forward to the left at a trot. And then we'll even get more specific. As you're moving forward, forward to the left, forward to the left at a trot, I want to see your horse's body from its pole to its shoulders to its hips rounded in the same radius as the circle in which you're traveling. So I just want to see this nice round horse traveling in that circle. And I'll have everybody spread out doing that exact same exercise. Some will do the exercise fairly easily. Some will be experiencing some difficulty. But as I'm doing it, I'm watching and I'm paying attention to everybody's focus. I'm looking to see how many people are getting bored really quickly, or I'm looking to see how many people are getting discouraged because in their minds, they're not doing it as successfully as they'd like to. So I'm just watching and observing. And then I'll kind of throw in a kicker. Everybody keep doing your exercises. I'm going to sneak out of the arena just for a moment. I'll be right back. And I'll ride the horse over to an area and I'll find one of those great big cones that you might see the highway department use to divert traffic. So one of those big road cones, highway cones. And I'll go and I'll set it someplace randomly in the arena. Never really have a pattern to it. I just make sure I'm not in anybody's way. And I'll go set that cone down. And when I set that cone down, I'll say, guys, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get my horse. I'll be right back in here in just a second. By the time I go get my horse and I ride it back into the arena, suddenly nobody's doing, or not nobody, but oftentimes few people are continuing with the exercises that I've given them. Most people have migrated toward that cone and they're looking at it. They're letting their horses smell of it. They're doing all these things because you see they're presuming that Our next exercise is going to involve that cone, and they want to get their horse used to it. They want to get their horse focused on it. They want to get their horse to where it's not spooky of the cone. So they're trying to read my mind as to what I'm going to do next. See, they're trying to get themselves ahead. In other words, their brain is racing to do something that they absolutely have no idea why that particular activity took place. That's the brain working. That's Mm -hmm. the thoughts that are going through their mind. And then I'll blow their mind. I'll get back in the arena, get on my horse. All right, now everybody get back to doing your exercises. 
So everybody go back and go forward motion, forward motion to the left, forward motion to the left at a trot. Get your horses nice, round, and soft, and try to get your horses to travel that circle where they're with that horse's body in the same radius as your circle from their nose to their shoulders to their withers. And I can see people thinking, then why in the hell do you bring in that cone? <laughs> so I'll throw this out there at them. But here's the trick, people. No matter what you do, focus on your exercise. No matter what, don't let your horses get within 20 feet of this cone. So everybody just stay away from the cone. Everybody got it? Everybody will nod their head yes, or some people will say, yes, Mr. Van, we got it, or whatever the case may be. And yet, eventually, I will see people struggling to stay away from the cone. Now, why is that, Laura? The reason they're struggling to stay away from the cone is because the cone now is occupying their thoughts. In a very subconscious way, their thoughts are transmitting into actions. Their actions are migrating toward what they're thinking about. What they're thinking about is the cone. The horse has no idea, could give a flying flip about that orange piece of crap cone in the middle of the arena. But what the horse is doing, the horse is listening to the rider's body, and the rider's body, the rider's mind, is conveying to it, go to the cone. (laughs) Go to the cone. So the horse starts going to the cone. Meanwhile, that conscious thought kicks in and says, oh, but Van said stay away from the darn thing. So now they struggle to get away from it. And then I might ask, Miss Susie, what are you doing? Well, I'm just trying to keep my darn horse away from that cone. And some will get mad at me. Why would you bring that darn cone in here if we're not going to do anything with it? It's just in the way. I can't get my horse away from it now. My whole point behind the entire exercise is that people, you're going to get what you think about. If you're thinking about your horse being spooky, if you're thinking about your horse bucking, if you're thinking about your horse not loading, if you're thinking about your horse not standing still for the farrier, if you're thinking about the horse migrating toward the cone, you're going to get those things. If, on the other hand, you choose to focus on the things that you want in life, you will tend to get those things that you want in life. Because your thoughts, if you think about it hard enough and long enough, your thoughts will convert to actions. Your actions will convert to steps and processes. And before you know it, you're making your journey toward whatever it is out there that you dreamed about, that you wanted, that you wanted to achieve. You're thinking about those things. But if, on the other hand, you're thinking about all the things that you don't want, what you don't want is occupying your brain and occupying the things that you want or you don't want. So you begin to get those things as well. Now, the question is, how do we do that? How do we keep from not thinking about that stuff, man? Because you did, in fact, put the cone in there. So how do you not want me to think about that cone? Think about the cone. Just don't let it occupy the majority of your thoughts. Don't let it be the priority of your thought. Know where the cone is, because if you don't know where the cone is, how are you going to avoid it in the first place? But most importantly, think about where you do want to ride. I want to ride way over here. That's at least 20 feet away from the cone. So if I focus on my circle here, then unless the cone draws legs or wings, it's not going to be a problem. It's not going to come to me. My problem is not going to seek me out. So don't seek it out. Focus on what you do want, and you want to do your circles right here, not up against the fence, not out there, not by the cone, not over the top of somebody else's circle or whomever or whatever. Focus on what you do want. And when you focus on that, then suddenly all the obstacles, which you don't have any control over anyway, just don't seem to play a role in what it is that you're doing. So that takes a a thought process. We have to think about that. Now, 
One thing I've done, and of course, if folks haven't guessed by now, I'm a fairly spiritual person. I don't claim to be real religious, but I'm a very spiritual person. Every time I have a negative thought, and believe me, I have lots of negative thoughts, just like I think most typical humans do. But someone trained me a long time ago to be very grateful even for the negative thoughts because those negative thoughts are reminders as to what you don't want to think about. So, for example, and again, some people may know, some people may not. I don't talk about it a whole lot, but it's very influential part of who I am. I had a really rough 12 years of my life. It was when my mom was married to my stepfather. And let's, I'll just shorten it by saying he wasn't a good guy. Forgiveness, just like thinking positively, is a process. It's an ongoing process. We have to train ourselves to think about forgiveness. It's easy to say, isn't it? Oh, mm-hmm. just forgive and forget. You don't forget crap that impacted your life. You learn to cope with it. So how do you learn to cope with it? You do what I think is that, that thing of gratitude. And here's where the positivity comes in. I might think something negative of my stepfather. And I'll say to myself, that's not a good thought. And I'll immediately say, thank you, God, for the reminder. And then I choose a different thought. So in other words, now it becomes a prayer to me almost. Thank you, Jesus, for the reminder. And I'll think about something positive. In the very beginning, and here's the hard work, people. I'm sorry, but everything you want in life is going to cause a little bit of sweat equity from you. It's going to require a little bit of sweat equity. In the beginning, when you're really trying to convert yourself from being a negative thinker to a positive thinker, it's going to take some effort and work on your part, and it's going to take some persistence. Because in the beginning, when I was having those really, really negative thoughts about my stepfather, I bet you I said that stinking prayer at least a thousand times a day. Thank you, God, for the reminder, and I moved on. Thank you, God, for the reminder. I didn't take two steps from thinking negative about that old sucker in the first place. So I keep doing that. And I, in the beginning, I had to say that prayer to myself at least a thousand times a day. And then it got to where it was only 900 times a day. And then it got to where it's only a few hundred times a day. And then it got to where it was only maybe just a couple of times a day. And now, today, in my world, in my life, I'll have a negative thought about that man probably once or twice a day. And I still say to myself, oh, thank you, Jesus, for the reminder. And I move forward. I choose a better thought. I do not let that feeling of negativity take over for me. But you see, I was willing to work at it. Rather than saying, crap, I've done that a thousand times. This just doesn't work. I knew it worked because I've known lots of positive people, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. We've all known lots of positive people in our life. So we know that something's working. So we have to be committed to put that work into effort. To some people, it comes easier than others. But for, for other folks, we have to be committed to work at it if we want to be that positive guy on that road trip from California to, to North Carolina. Yeah, see? I mean, that, that's such a, it, it's such an important lesson to learn and it, you're, that it does take that work. And for some of us, you know, for me personally, both by training as a lawyer and I guess by just my natural inclination, I, it's easy for me to see things that could go wrong or think, you know, the negative side of things. And the question is, as, as I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about something, you know, that you, you've brought up many times in the past, the, the sort of Dr. Phil question, how's that working for you? How, yeah, exactly. Do you like how you feel when you think about that negative thing? And if you don't like feeling that way, you can change it because you can choose right. to think about something else. You can choose, as you, you just put it so well, choose a different thought. If you don't like the way that negative thought is making you feel, because it is our thoughts that make us feel what we feel. 
then choose right. a different thought. And it takes right. time, it takes practice. And as you've said, you know, especially in the beginning, if you're inclined anyway to think negatively, whether it's about what's going on with you and your horse, or you and your spouse, or you and your job, or whatever, you may have to over and over again, intentionally and purposely choose a different thought. And I would say, plan ahead of time. What what thought are you going to choose instead of that negative when it, when it comes? I, I can't agree with that more. And, you know, you we've talked to in the past about like overcoming fear. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think about when people are being fearful, they're thinking about things that are fearful. They're thinking about getting hurt. They're thinking about falling off or whatever the case may be when they're riding their horse. And yet, oftentimes, if you can distract them, they will quit thinking about those things. And as a result of not thinking about those things, now they're enjoying their ride more. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a conscious thought. They're having to think about it. They're, they're consciously thinking about what it is that they want as opposed to what they don't want. And that is a process. But now, some of the things, here's just a technique I've shared with people when we're trying to distract our minds. If you don't know how to think positively, then just don't think negatively. Oh my goodness, what the heck do you mean by that? (laughs) I'll oftentimes ask people, well, what's your favorite song? And when they start singing their favorite song, they're having to think about the words of that song. Now that song is occupying a a bigger portion of their thoughts and their brain power, so to speak. They're thinking about that song, which means they're not giving as much thought toward their fear. And the other thing is, is that it's easy to get fearful. It's easy to get negative when we're breathing shallow. And so when we're singing, we're breathing more. And especially if I get people in our clinics to sing out loud, which is sometimes is pretty fun and chaotic at the same time. But when everybody is singing and they're breathing and they're shouting out loud, and they're being very positive, they're breathing more, they're taking in more. And before you know it, they're laughing at everybody else shouting and singing and breathing more. That now suddenly the thing that was worrying them in the first place, let's say trotting, because trotting is too rough. And when it gets rough, I feel like I'm out of balance. When I'm out of balance, I feel like I'm going to fall off. When I fall off, I know it's going to hurt. Oh my God, that's so scary. I'd just rather not trot. You see, but if you can get them distracted by the other part and just let their body kind of flow with the horse, and you just kind of start thinking about those positive things. And I'm not saying that put your head in the sand and pretend the negative stuff doesn't exist. It does. It surrounds us. But the reality is you don't have to give the majority of your thoughts to those things. And that's where the exercise comes in. That's where the practice comes in. And I love what you said earlier is that that how does that make you, how do you feel when you're afraid? How do you feel when you're so afraid or you're so negative that you're not achieving those things in your life that you really want to achieve? How do you imagine feeling when you do achieve that in which you want? And if you can hold on to that feeling that you can imagine and not the feeling of how you feel when you're not doing what you want to do because fear's in the way or anxiety's in the way or, or you're afraid of what somebody might think of you or whatever the case may be, then those things will hold you back from that. So all we have to do is think a little bit more about that in which we want and think a little bit less about the things that we don't want. And before you know it, those scales will be tipped so heavily toward the positive side that the negative stuff doesn't have much room anymore. 
And so and that's what's so good. I think I just love that. Yeah, and I, I guess I would say you know, for for somebody who's struggling, you know, to bring this back to the horsemanship side of it, if you're struggling with something you're trying to do with your horse, and you're whether it's fear, anxiety, anger, whatever, and you and you don't. You know, if you're feeling those feelings, it's because of a thought you're having about the experience. Identify what that thought is and then and then take a minute to think, all right, how do I want to feel when I am, you know, riding my horse or working with my horse? How would I like to feel? And maybe I would like to feel confident. Right. Maybe that's the feeling I'd like to have. Okay. What would I have to think in order to feel confident? Maybe I would have to think. I can do this. Maybe I would have to think, I don't know, Van, you're, you're the expert here. What would I have to think about? What, what thought would help me feel confident in this thing I'm about to try to do with my horse? What would be a good thought? Focusing on what you can do. Okay. So yeah. rather, than, rather than what you can't or what you don't think you can do. So just focus on what you can do. Because honestly, that's one of the things that we, we do a lot in our clinics is that we people do. That's the number one thing, quite frankly, Laura, fear and confidence mm-hmm. are the number number one things that we that we face or that I face as a clinician with our with our, as an obstacle in our clinics because people are there because they're afraid or they lack confidence. So when they lack confidence, you know what I say a lot? You've heard me say it a lot. Good job, Laura. That's perfect. And I'll say that until you yell at me. Um, <laughs> good job, Laura. That's perfect. And for those of you who've never heard me say this before, Laura, if you haven't guessed by now, is a very type A personality, and she doesn't <laughs> think perfection exists, at least not from her. So but I spend all my to... life trying to get there. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm, 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 Laura's riding with us one summer, and I'm, I'm constantly yelling, good job, Laura, that's perfect. And she's yelling at me saying, well, not yelling constantly, but she finally got fed up with that. She says, I wish you'd stop saying it because I know that's not perfect. I could do better. And I hope you remember my response. I very almost kind of grinned at you. I was trying not to laugh at you. And I just kind of grinned at you. And I said, well, that's perfect for now. Yeah. And I just saw your expression completely change from upset and, and frustrated with me and yourself to almost like this little thing of enlightenment. You're like, oh, it's a good point. Yeah. So whenever I'm working with someone who lacks that confidence, I want them to think about something that they can do. And then I want themselves, if they don't have a Van Hargis out there yelling at them constantly saying, good job, that's perfect, then I want them to be confident or I want them to say that to themselves. I want them that whenever they do anything, I don't care how minute you think that it is, reward yourself for that by telling yourself, oh, good job. Oh, good job. Yeah. Oh, that was perfect. But it'd be realistic. And realistic is that's perfect for now. But then raise the bar for yourself. Give yourself a little bit of a challenge and then overcome that. Because see, when you give yourself that challenge and you overcome it, that's going to fuel that positivity again. Because look what positivity got for you. Positivity got you to overcome that little bitty obstacle that you didn't think you could overcome. With that, you get that feeling of security. With security, you get confidence. Well, and that's a a great uh, example, I think, that so if what you want to feel when you when you ride your horse, when you do whatever it is you're wanting to do, if what you want to feel is confidence, then maybe something to think about is instead of this obstacle that you're struggling to overcome, intentionally think about another time that you faced an obstacle and overcame it. Think about that. That's 
I think moving in a positive way of, I did that, so I know I can do this. Right. You know, we, we, some of us are really good at focusing on our failures. Uh, And I've had, you know, I've worked with a business coach when I was struggling with something in my business who said, you know, and I I was like, I just don't think I can do this. I don't know how I, you know, I was focusing on the obstacle and how impassable it seemed to me. And this coach reminded me, well, but you did this in your past and you did this and you did this. Think about that. If you did that, you can do this. And so that's what I would encourage people to do is if you're facing an obstacle that seems impassable to you, seems like something you just can't do, instead of focusing on that and what you're not, what you feel like you're not capable of doing at the moment, take a step back and, and think of another time when you faced an obstacle and overcame it. And if you can't think of one, ask somebody who knows you, what, you know, when have, when have I done something good? When have I accomplished something? Remind me and then choose to think about that. Think about I, every time I think of something like that, Laura, I think of people who I know have faced greater struggles than myself. For example, who have faced life or death, who have faced a crippling injury. For example, some people may have heard me refer to my friend up in Northwest, or, yeah, Northwest Texas area uh, named Michael Richardson. Had an accident many years ago, had a Jeep roll across him, and now he's paralyzed from the waist down. He's been paralyzed, I guess, for as long as I've known him, which has been close to 20 years or longer. And every time I'm working with Michael and I see everything he does with a horse, I think to myself, what excuse do I have? Look what this guy has accomplished. Look how he didn't let his paraplegic, quote unquote, disability keep him from doing what he wanted to do, which was the horse stuff. The guy still rides. He still does all this stuff. He teaches clinics. He teaches riding lessons. He doesn't let that get in his way. In his mind, he's thinking, heck, if that car wreck didn't kill me. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I can, I can overcome this. I also think of people who have overcome very bad diseases, cancer, for example, and they go through all of the treatments and all of the stuff and they realize just how strong they are. I just read a recent thing not too long ago. You know, my, my, my real father, for example, was a Vietnam veteran. And so I, I'm, I'm a kind of a Vietnam veteran documentary freak. I love to read and, and, and watch documentaries on the Vietnam War. And I just read something not too long ago about the prisoners of war there. And it's absolutely amazing that when those people go through those true life hardships, and then they come out into the quote-unquote world, and or what they refer to sometimes as the real world, it's just amazing how positive they are because they faced the negative things that humanity can do and the negative things that they can go through. And then they realize, most importantly, what they can live through, what their body and what their minds can endure. And quite frankly, our typical challenges, day-to-day challenges, can't compare to those. So I, I totally support your thought and to start thinking about, think of the things that you did overcome. Think of the things that you did achieve. Think of the things, the obstacles that you've overcome. When you think hard about those things and you let those things occupy your mind, and then you put those things that you achieved in the past, and you bring that forward into the president with a little bit of confidence, then suddenly you've gained control of your thoughts, and those thoughts will convert into more positive actions in the future. 
And the only thing I would suggest with respect to, you know, thinking about people who've overcome more than you have is not to, not to beat yourself up about that. I mean, some of us have that tendency to, we, you know, we look at our situation, we look at somebody else's situation we see, oh, they accomplished such great things despite this, this horrible thing that happened to them. And we think what's wrong with me. And, and we don't want, that's, that's not the, the positive tack you want to take. Be, you can be inspired by other people's efforts and other people's accomplishments. Um, but, but, and let that, let that inspire you, but not, don't let your mind turn toward, well, I'm just such a whiner or, you know, whatever. That's why I think it's so valuable to be reminded of the things that you've accomplished, the the obstacles you've overcome, whether they seem big or small to other people is not relevant. Let that help you focus on the fact that you can overcome whatever this obstacle is because you've, I've been here before. I've done this before. I can do this now. Right. Yep. I totally agree with that. And I, I just, I guess the message we want folks to realize though, that it is, it is a choice. Mm-hmm. It, you've just got to train yourself to just be And First of all, like the other day, I had another girl ask me a question about something she was doing with her horse. And, and at first she was very negative about the whole thing. And then she said one thing that was positive, And I said, I immediately interrupted her. And I said, now you're thinking. And what I meant by that was, and what I explained to her later was now you're thinking positively. So don't necessarily have to think that you're bad or wrong or whatever the case may be. If you're having those negative thoughts, it's just that when you think something positive, think to yourself, oh, now I'm on the right direction. So I I wanted to point out to her, good, now you're thinking, now you're thinking in the right direction. All those other things can't help you anymore, but this stuff can, you know, think toward that positive direction. So it is, it is a choice and it is a process. I don't want anybody think that it's this easy. It's a process. We do have to kind of work out a little bit, but I think as long as you said, like you said earlier, if you think about how you feel when you're negative versus how you feel when you're thinking positively, and if that if one is oh feeling happiness, then choose that happiness. Choose those thoughts that kind of lend you on that on, or toward that journey of happiness as opposed to the the opposite. I want to share with you. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of verbally go over this flow chart, and I sent this to you, Laura, and I hope yes, that you can um, we we can send this to to John, who's our producer, folks. And John does a phenomenal job for us. But this flow chart is really simple. It just really makes you think how simple this thought process really is when we're thinking positively. And this particular flow chart is more about worry. But worry to me is a very negative emotion, whereas thinking of something positive is a, a much more positive emotion, of course. So the, the, the very first question parts, starts off with this. So do so you have a problem in your life? The answer is yes. Then can you do something about it? If the answer is yes, then there's no worry. Let's go back and repeat that one again. I said, do you have a problem in your life? Yes. Can you do something about it? If the answer to that is no, don't worry. So let's go back to that same question again. Do you have a problem in your life? No, don't worry. In other words, people don't worry. If you've got a problem in your life, you can do something about it. You've got nothing to worry about. Just do something about it. It's no big deal. If you've got something in your life that's bugging you and it's it's a worry to you, you can't do anything about it. It's not your problem. Don't worry. You see, so so many times we just revert to the easy thing and we worry about something that we have absolutely no control over whatsoever. So what we have to do is just think about that again. And we think, oh, it's no problem. 
And once we begin to say there's no problem there, that frees our mind up to think about something that's positive again. Mm-hmm. So it's just a process. We just have to kind of think about it, make that, make that thought, be very aware of what your thoughts are. Awareness, in my opinion, is almost the first step to almost anything we do. Just be aware of it. If you're aware of the negative thought, just replace it. And, and like, again, I'm going to go back to say my personal technique is I just do a real quick prayer. So, oh, thank you, Jesus, for telling me that and, and for, for reminding me that I was thinking negatively and to remind me to think positively. And I just changed that thought. And over time, it just gets easier and easier and better and better. Well, good, good reminders, good uh, food for thought, I guess, would be a way way to put it. And again, I I would say, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with, you know, my my horsemanship? It has everything to do with horsemanship. I think uh, Van and I were talking before we started recording this episode that, you know, we, he talks a lot on this show about specific techniques and, and tools that we can use to improve our horsemanship. But the most important tool we have in horsemanship or in life in general is the one between our ears. And so mastering our thinking is probably the most important thing. And and I'm speaking as a, you know, non-professional horse person, but it, it may be the most important thing we can do to improve our horsemanship and to improve our experience uh, as horsemen and horsewomen. I couldn't agree more, Laura, that, you know, we, we've said all the time that the, the one thing that we really have control of is our thoughts. And if that's the case, that by far is the biggest tool that we'll have when we go to work with our horses, whether it be in the round pen, on the end of a lead rope or in the arena or on the trail. The most important tool you can bring to that situation is you and your thoughts. Yeah. So... Thanks for bringing this topic up and for the the suggestions. I, I guess I would invite listeners to um, to give some feedback on this. What do you think about what Van has had to say in this episode? And is, is this helpful? Do you have any feedback? Any any ideas of of where we could go from here? Share your thoughts either in the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page, or if you want to share those thoughts privately, you can email them to Van at info at vanhargis.com. Anything else we should talk about, Van? I can't think of a thing, Laura, than I just want to keep encouraging people to visit our website. By visiting our website, you, you'll find all sorts of stuff on there, um, things that we discuss. Um, and at the same time, you can find out where we are, what we're doing. I'd love for you guys to take Laura up on our invitation and share with us your thoughts, your concerns, what you'd like for us to visit more about on our podcast. That information to me is just invaluable. And that helps me keep positive thoughts, Miss Laura. Um, <laughs> well, and, want- and we don't actually do this, uh, you know, record these uh, things just because Van likes to talk. Although, you know, between you and me, he does like to talk. But <laughs> but he likes to talk about things that are helpful to you. So hearing right. back from you about what, what questions you have, what topics you'd like him to address is incredibly useful. So again, you can share those on the Facebook page or just emailing him at info at vanhargis.com. And let us know where you want us to go next. Anybody out there wanting to host a clinic and you would like to host a clinic, we have some things on our website that tells you how you can do that. And believe me, we would love to be in your backyard. So invite us out and we'll figure out how we can uh, come into a clinic in your area. And whenever we do clinics in very specific areas, and Laura, you've mentioned this to, to our listeners in the past, and I think it's a great idea to remind them, whenever we're doing a clinic in an area, and you find that for whatever reason, the clinic is already sold out. We can't 
accept any more writers or any more observers, then we can do private sessions and private lessons at your facility as long as we're in that area. But we do have to know in advance because uh, otherwise we're going to book our flights to get to where we're going and then get back home again. But if we know we're going to be in an area for some other private sessions or for some mini clinics or those types of uh, additional activities, then we can extend our stay to work around your schedules. But we do have to know in advance about doing those things. We can do that. But that information is available on our website as well. I also want to remind people, Laura, that um, for those who don't know, I'm on the Texas A&M Commerce, which is the university that I graduated from. I'm on their uh, Equine Council, Equine Advisory Council. And uh, I'm also helping them with their horsemanship program and the things that they're doing there at that university, which I just think is great how they're growing and how their equine program is, is doing so well. But we, um, we're, doing, we're going to be doing a clinic there this fall, and we also are offering them what we call an affiliation program. And what that means, people, is this. You can go to our website and um, find out more about this, but you can also go to the Texas A&M Commerce Equine Program website. And if there's something there that you would like to watch, listen to, participate with, or most importantly, contribute in some way, you can do that through that affiliation link. But you can make contributions to them by doing what you need to do anyway. So, for example, if you need to buy a saddle, a saddle pad, a headstall, a bridle, a halter, anything that's already on my website, if you buy those items from their link on their website, then all those proceeds go directly to that program. What that program does is it provides scholarships to students who are wanting to become professional horsemen in the future, and it also provides scholarship opportunities for them to come and and do their intern and apprentice programs with us uh, down in my ranch in South Texas. So it's a great program. It's a great affiliation, and I strongly encourage people to to look uh, at that and learn more about it, and they can get there from our website. So lots of reasons to visit the website at vanhargis.com. Easy to remember and easy to get there. You can find his schedule there. You can find information about the, the equine program up here at AM Commerce. And you can find the store. You can find all sorts of things there. So definitely uh, when you're not, at, not while you're driving, if you're listening to this while you drive, <laughs> but sometime when you're sitting somewhere quiet at your computer or with your smartphone, visit vanhargis.com to find all sorts of inf- interesting information. Anything else yep. we need to remind them of? I just wanted to remind everybody how much we appreciate them, Laura. I love doing what we do. I love reaching out to people. But most importantly, I love it when people reach back and give us their feedback. It is the reason that I do what I do. I'm addicted to the feedback you guys give us, both positive and negative. So I'd like to strongly encourage you guys to keep reaching out to us and know how much we appreciate it. And I'd like to remind you guys how much we're grateful for that. And until next time, remember that it's your trail, it's your journey, it's your ride. So ride every stride.